I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the hockey show, part of the Athletics Hockey Show Network. Pierre Lebrun. I, I, listen, we just started taping. You're already a little bit cranky with me this morning. You'd think that you had like a million stories to break yesterday leading up to the official release of the Seattle Kraken expansion draft list. Uh, I, I, I want to make sure you're not over-caffeinating. So just tell me how you're doing. I'm good. I'm a little tired, but uh, I also know I'm less than a week away from disappearing. So <laughs> that motivates me. The night of uh, next Wednesday night after we're done free agency. Well, that's not true. I guess I got to tape another podcast with you next Thursday morning. That'll be my last act. Okay. Yeah. Well, you should be in a better mood then. So yeah. when we do the final one of the season, do you have one of those big clocks that is ticking down? Like, a, like if you're, you know, when you're in an uh, NHL dressing room and they have the clock kick, ticking down to warm up and stuff like that. You got one of those in the office? No, but I will tell you, I, I don't remember the last, I, I must have been in my 20s the last time I was working on July 22nd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no you know what? Do you know the last time that you might have been working this late is when you and I first met for the very first time covering the Pan Am Games oh, right. in Winnipeg in right. 1999. I think yeah, that was well, there you go. I was in so my 20s. Good. I was uh, <laughs> late 20s then. Yeah. Uh, so tell tell. Yeah, tell me about your day yesterday. I, like, to me, it was fascinating, and it, uh, like it's a function of being old. And, and I was trying to think back to the uh, Vegas expansion draft four years ago in 2017. I was physically in Las Vegas because, they, if you recall, they did the awards and the expansion release uh, for the Golden Knights on the same night, which I didn't quite understand. But um, I don't remember that – that there that the names got out before that night, but maybe I, I was just I thinking the same that. thing. I had no memory of it. I mean, I think I think we had flurry, uh, yeah, but um, I don't I have no memory. And, and interestingly, well, we'll you know we'll find out later today. Unfortunately, by the time people hear this, it might be dated. But 
I think the Kraken have gone about this a bit differently. There are some Seattle deals that will be announced, I think, later today or over the next couple of days when the trade freeze lifts. But as far as, like, if you go back to Fleury, Pittsburgh had to pay a second-round pick to Vegas to take Marc-Andre Fleury, which to this day is still kind of interesting because Pittsburgh was in such a salary cap jam when they made the agreement. They made the agreement, as you remember, Scott, at the trade deadline months before that. (laughs) And and so at the time, it was so hard to predict you know, for sure, whether there'd be a market for Fleury, believe it or not. I mean, that's how it is with goalies. You never know. So Pittsburgh got to pay a second-round pick in order to um, guarantee that Vegas would take Marc-Andre Fleury. I don't know that you're going to see... So I, so I think those would have been announced, uh, you know, before the expansion draft yesterday, or during, in a way, is my right. understanding. Yeah. There will be some Seattle deals, and they'll say, "Oh, I see, okay." But the, but they'll be treated as separate deals, is what I'm saying. I think, but in, but 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 you could draw a line from the deals that you're going to see from Seattle to perhaps the player they picked. I guess is my point. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and and I guess the the upshot of it, it it's, things are still very fluid. I mean, as you point out, um, uh, later today, their um, deals that were made will be uh, revealed. Um, of course, we got the. Draft the first round Friday night coming up, uh, followed by the balance of the draft on Saturday. Um, I, and and I thought you made a really interesting point in your rumblings column this morning. Um, and uh, well, let's start with that. With you know this the fact that almost immediately Seattle is going to pivot from being the masters of their own destiny, holding all the strings, to a team that is. They're going to have to move assets because, and and, right. and and never even really thought about it. But um, you know, well, obviously, come training camp time, you don't have you, <laughs> you can't have you know whatever the number 30. of NHL so they drafted guys. thirty players. They drafted thirty players last night, and and I yeah. went back and and talked to someone in the Vegas organization about this because again, my memory is so terrible. And Vegas did a pretty masterful job. I went back and looked at the dates of the transactions, and basically within. Well, in some cases, within 24 to 48 hours, and then a few more exactly. a couple of weeks later. But within a couple of weeks, they had flipped from their expansion draft list. Mark Mathot, which happened the next day. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, which happened, I think, the night of or the next day. And then eventually, Alexei Yemlin and David Schlemko. And I think I'm missing another one. I think they flipped five guys within a week or two. And that was key because you can't show up to camp with 30 players. You certainly... Literally cannot have 30 NHL one-way deals on opening night uh, unless you want, well, you'd have to expose a bunch to waivers to try and get down the minors. Anyway, the whole the point is Seattle has to flip some guys now, and that'll be the intrigue. And, you know, some of those names I mentioned, other Mark Mathot was still regarded as a top four defenseman at the time. Um, you know, had been a really good partner to Eric Carlson in Ottawa, so he was probably the biggest name there. But otherwise, not the biggest names the Vegas had to flip, but... Um, that's what Seattle is looking at. And I suspect from what I gather from talking to a few teams around the league, that there may already be at least one or two of those cooked, which is smart. But yeah, because if you don't flip enough guys here in a hurry, you end up having, you know, you may have to waive players later and get nothing for them, which you don't want to do. So, you know, the key is, uh, as you know, like Vegas felt they, they were not greedy on the other side of it. They certainly... <laughs> You know, Vegas in 2017 certainly had the 
all the leverage ahead of time, just like Seattle did here. But once they had their players, Vegas basically took what was on the table in a hurry for some of these flip deals. And that's what Seattle is going to have to look at now. Right. Well, and the, the, the ripple effect is if you do some of these deals before free agency, then it has an impact on free agency. And you go back to Mark Mathot, and I know, you know, I, I just, I know from a conversation I had like a year and a half ago with Carl Alsner that, you know, like there were, you know, spots that free agents felt that they might fill and they got filled because Vegas was flipping those assets. And I, right. you know, I don't, you know, and that's what, I, and I think it's fair to say, and certainly uh, it seems like the assets that Seattle is most likely to flip in the short term, as you laid out, mm-hmm. will be defensemen, right? Because they've got a bunch and whether it's, right. you know, like. Whether it's Jeremy Lozon or Will Borgen, Lozon, of course, came from Boston, which is a problem. You know, I mean, now there's a there's a team that now Boston was already looking for help, especially on the left side. So, you know, maybe that, you know, that changes or it amps up, you know, what happens with the, what the Bruins might be looking to do short term. And then once free agency starts and, you know, certainly I'm actually here in Minnesota and, you know, Carson Soucy going um, you know, the the wild have some spots to fill in the back end, right? Mm-hmm. Just look at their depth chart. I, I think it's a pretty long list of teams. I mean, Montreal, yeah. it's it's not right. like they're going to literally replace Shea Weber, but, you know, there's a domino effect of no longer having Shea Weber as a player for them, certainly for next year, but maybe forever. So the Habs are making a ton of calls. I reported earlier this week that they called in Ristolainen, but they've got a, they're looking at other D as well. Calgary's lost here down. Brad Tree leaving us to go find a D. Uh, Winnipeg was already entering the offseason looking to upgrade their blue line, which was their clear Achilles heel on, on a talented team otherwise. So, and, and frankly, probably relieved from what I gather that they didn't lose Dylan DeMello in expansion, quite frankly. Even though Mason Appleton's a real nice forward, that was the lesser of two evils, as I wrote, because it had the Jets lost DeMello on top of already being in the market for D. Um, you know, so you're right about Boston. I mean, I, I think, I mean, that's where the market is, uh, entering both trade market here and free agency. So, yeah, can Seattle take advantage of that before free agency opens next Wednesday, right? So so that's part of the pressure on Seattle right now. Right. Yeah, cause you, and if you're a team acquiring, I mean, free agency, you know, by its nature means you are likely paying more. And in a flat cap situation, you know, era. Although you're not paying an asset. So that's the balance. (laughs) Well, that's the balance. That's right. Yeah. yeah, If you'd let me finish, I'd have made that point. Wasn't sure you were getting there. (laughs) I'm getting there. Uh, That if you trade, you know, if you trade one of these, you know, whichever of these defensemen that Seattle might be willing to move, that it is going to cost you an asset, but it may not cost you as much in, in, in real dollars and and in cap space. And that's, you're right. That's Mm going to be the real balance for GMs moving forward. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we're going to come back. I'm going to ask you some more questions. We're going to chat some more. I think I, I, I like to feel that you're evening out. You feeling okay? How you doing? I'm feeling good. All right. All right. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this brief break. It's a good thing we took that break then so you could then remind me of, of how the show should unfold. So, uh, but uh, and you, <laughs> we started out <laughs> I'd like to give you a few dates like, here this can morning. Can I share friend. with the audience that you're on a secret assignment? I mean, I won't say where, of course, but you're on a secret I assignment. I just said I was in Minnesota. Oh, I, it was, never mind. I already said I was here. <laughs> <laughs> you're not even listening to me. Uh, oh, I'm half my listening. God. 
I know. Anyway, yes, I am here in Minnesota. And it's a good place. <clears throat> it's a good place to we can segue back into uh, one of the, uh, to me, one of the most interesting parts of what was, you know, how this all, all unfolded with the expansion draft um, is that there were, you know, a number of prominent goaltenders. I mean, let's start with one of the greatest goaltenders of his generation. And in my mind, a surefire Hall of Famer and Carey Price. Um, exposed by the Montreal Canadiens. You had Ben Bishop, who, you know, coming, you know, still uncertainty regarding his health uh, moving forward, but also exposed by the Dallas Stars so that they didn't have to expose uh, Anton Hudobin. But um, lots of goaltending options. And I was a little bit surprised that at, at the end of the day, Seattle took only three goaltenders and that they went sort of young and cheap with uh, Chris Dreger. That was no surprise. I think everyone expected that was going to happen. Really fascinated to see how he, you know, sort of responds to what I assume he'll be the, you know, has, well, he should be the number one guy there in uh, in Seattle, barring changes of, you know, between now and then. But also uh, Vitek Vanacek from Washington, who, you know, played a lot uh, once Henrik Lundqvist was, uh, was, wasn't able to play this past season in Washington. And I, I thought, Played very, very well. And really interesting. I'm really happy for Joey Decor uh, from Ottawa, who, uh, you know, sort of slots in as the young third guy. But I, I know I talked to a couple of people who felt that both Vanacek, well, all three of them have really, you know, significant upsides as goaltenders. But, you know, it's not a lot of, you know, it wasn't, they avoided the big names. And I don't know if you were surprised by that, but certainly the way that Montreal played their cards, they kept both Jake Allen and Carey Price. And we'll see what happens. Right. Well, I don't know if we have to give the Habs credit for their playing their cards masterfully or do we give Carey Price credit? Because, of course, it, as we've been reporting, this was a Carey Price solution, <laughs> rather amazingly, late in the process, too. Uh, it wasn't until last Friday that as Price and Mark Bergman were talking and Price, who, by the way, today on Thursday uh, is in New York getting his knee and hip checked, um, and I think it's the knee that potentially might need a procedure, but um, he said, well, you know, why, like, if, if we know Seattle is going to take Jake Allen, I mean, probably not going to take my contract, essentially, is the way that events were relayed to me. And the rest is history. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget putting out that tweet last Saturday, Saturday evening, Scott, um, because yeah. I was dumbfounded as I was typing the words, but um, Carey Price uh, exposed in the expansion draft. And uh, from there, it was a real poker game. And I will tell you that I I got a late night text from Ron Francis, the GM of the Kraken, um, because I think the question is, you know, why didn't you take him? And, and he just said, hey, you know, we talked about him, uh, just decided to go in a different direction. He was tempting, quote unquote. Uh, and I think that's a true reflection of, of the, what played out. I think the Kraken took a real deep dive on Carey Price. Yeah, I know that they called Jerry Johansson, the agent for Carey Price, several times, asked a lot of questions. They had access to his medical file. They went, they, they turned every stone. Um, but, and it's interesting, Scott, I don't know how you feel, but I, I've obviously, it was the talk of the hockey world for three days. What would the Kraken do with Carey Price? Right. And I will tell you, it literally was a 50-50 split of executive, NHL front office executives who felt it was a no-brainer. They would take him if they were Seattle because they would said if there's a fear of durability, they would just LTI him at the end, just like Shea Weber is going to be LTI. 
Uh, And I get that. And then sell tickets and the branding and one of the greatest goalies in league history and everything else. That was their viewpoint. And then the other half, it really was 50-50, said no way would they touch the rest of that contract, which is, of course, the bet that the Haas were making and Carey Price. Um, You know, until we hear from Carey Price, and I I don't know when that's going to be because he wasn't picked and now he's in off-season mode and and notorious for (laughs) once he's in off-season mode kind of disappearing, which is his right. Um, you know, there are people wondering, you know, what were the true intentions here? I I think they are exactly as laid out that he really felt that, you know, that it it didn't make sense for Montreal to lose Jake Allen and that he wouldn't get taken. But I will say, and this will probably never come up that deep down, if the worst case scenario was being taken by Seattle where he has an off season home in tri cities, he also has one in Kelowna, but uh, his wife, Angela's from tri cities three hours away. That's not the worst result either. That's that's my – I wrote that the other day. I mean, so I think it was, in a way, a win-win. I think he'd much rather be a Montreal Canadian for the rest of his career. But the gamble was worth it, I guess, is what I'm saying, given all the circumstances. And uh, so a fascinating thing. Um, I guess we'll never know whether Seattle made a mistake. But uh, it turns out a brilliant bluff by the Habs, um, as Mark Bergerman Obviously, agree with Carey Price that this was worth it because now they they keep intact, arguably, if not the best, one of the best duels in the NHL, right? I mean, the two best duels in the NHL played off in the Stanley Cup semifinals, Montreal and Vegas. And um, and I don't know if Vegas is going to come back with the same depth and goal as Montreal has. I guess I was a little bit surprised that not necessarily that they didn't take uh, Carey Price. I'm with you. <clears throat> Could see it both ways. Um, and I'd, certainly you can rationalize it either way. But I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't, A, another, like, as I mentioned, only three goaltenders selected by Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, we know there's a pretty good market for goaltenders as there are for defensemen. Um, and I was a little bit surprised that there wasn't more of a veteran flavor to it. You know what? Listen, whether it was Jonathan Quick or, you know, maybe you're scared off by Ben Bishop's health or, um, you know, like the, the fact that the three goaltenders that Seattle ended up with are, are basically unproven quantities. Listen, Chris Dreger had a nice, nice run in Florida, really pushed Sergei Bobrovsky. Numbers were outstanding during the regular season, faltered a bit in the playoffs. You know, Vanacek really, I think, you know, must have learned a lot this year, you know, with his exposure uh, with the Washington Capitals, um, you know. Joey DeCorsi, you know, a young goaltender. So I guess I was a bit surprised that they didn't, A, take more goaltenders, and, and B, didn't at least sort of, you know, feather the nest a little bit with a little bit more veteran presence. Well, I mean, it, again, what we know of the Kraken roster this morning may not be exactly the Kraken. Well, sure. we know it's not even a supposition. I mean, the Kraken roster will look differently come October. So who's to say they don't end up with a veteran goalie between now and then? I mean, I, th- I think you have to lay yeah, out that true. possibility. Uh, I'm with you. I wondered if they'd give Jonathan Quick more of a look, but he's got two years at 5'8". You know, he's he's not played at Carey Price's level. Um, so, but he's not been terrible either. Two-time Stanley Cup champion. Um, so, so I, I'm with you. I wondered about that. I, I do think at the end of the day, it goes to show you, I think that they were really dialed in on Jake Allen. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you that, uh, you know, they, they delivered quite a price, I'm told, to Montreal for not taking Jake Allen last week, which was two picks and a prospect. Um, interestingly, did not deliver a price to Montreal to not take Carey Price, which surprised me. 
Yeah. Because I certainly thought they would have. But I think by then they figured Montreal was pot committed, right? I mean, if they're exposing Carey Price, they thought of all the angles and and were ready to lose him. Um, you know, and, and, and the interesting thing, you know, I think Montreal very likely had a trade for Jake Allen had this whole Carey Price thing not happened. So I don't think Seattle ends up with Jake Allen either way. I think they would have, Montreal would have traded Jake Allen to get something for him because um, he had some market value at his extension being 2.8 million. It's pretty reasonable for a goalie of Allen's caliber. <clears throat> and then, you know, Montreal, I think, had had scoured the market looking at free agent uh, possibilities to replace Allen behind Price. So all of this was all before Carey Price entered the picture with his solution. <laughs> so interesting. But I but I think, you know, I, I think Seattle, had they had their way, would have ended up with either Jake Allen or Aiden Hill, who ended up getting traded to San Jose last Saturday. I mean, I think those were all guys on, on Seattle's goalie radar. Yeah, yeah, and and as you point as you point out, and it bears <clears throat> repeating that uh, that 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 there is going to be fluidity to what Seattle looks like on opening night. Um, <clears throat> is there one player on that roster that you're like, yeah, I can't, <clears throat> I can't wait to see what happens, assuming he stays with Seattle. Like, and I'll go first. I'll tell you. Like, I think Mark Giordano is so important there. Maybe maybe he's one of the guys that Seattle turns around and flips. Who knows? But to me, he's instant captain material. And I think I, I'm, you know, so, it must so, be so hard for Calgary in the so Apparently, it's a rule that if you're an expansion team in the modern era, you need a Calgary Flames defenseman as your captain. Is that? <laughs> is that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he might be able to bunk in with Derek England or whatever. So, <laughs> I just, I love that fit there. It must be hard for Calgary and for Calgary fans, no no doubt about it. But uh, um, I, I think it's, to me, he's he's that person around whom you start to build your culture. So, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I, I like that. I, uh, not surprised probably, but to me, that's one of those, okay, that's, that's a great place to start. Fab- fabulous leader. Yeah, that's a great way. And and, and again, the price the price on uh, on not taking Giordano that Seattle quoted to Calgary, I'm told, was a first and a third. And as tough as it was for, for Brad Trelevig in the Flames, you can't pay that. You can't pay that. Right. I mean, Mark Giordano is 38 in October, has a year left on his deal. You can't pay those asset prices. Um, so that's the tough part. But I think the lesson from the Vegas draft was sometimes you just got to pick, you know, just sit back take and allow lumps. them take your lumps and let them take their guy. And we saw more of that this time around as, as the GMs, by the way, told us we would. Um, so they were true to their word. Um, but, you know, Vince Dunn is interesting to me uh, because I think there's more there in his game. I think he struggled this year in St. Louis, but he's 24. Now, as I wrote in my rumblings, is he a guy – I mean, do they keep him or flip him? I mean, I think they keep him, but right. my point is I think there – well, I know there are teams that were trying to trade for him from St. Louis but couldn't make the deal happen before Saturday's trade freeze that no doubt have already phoned Seattle back now on him. And does Seattle have to at least listen? Again, I think I think you keep Vince done, but um, – and, and, of course, the, the decision to take Vince Dunn over Tarasenko. <laughs> right yeah exactly. um, um which is interesting because i know that again there are teams that were willing to trade for tarasenko that weren't willing to trade for him before saturday's trade freeze with st louis because they, they i think they wanted st louis to eat some of his deal and st louis couldn't do that but i think seattle would have been in a position to retain salary so that could have been a flip candidate 
had they taken Tarasenko and gotten a decent return, maybe, but they, they decided to go with Dunn, which is interesting to me. Now, I guess, again, the process has not ended for the Seattle Kraken. Right. So, yeah. so you know, uh, are there trades that the Kraken can make over the coming days where they do take guys just to flip them in a way, just traditionally, like a three-way? Um, uh, there's all kinds of, of options in front of them because of the cap space that they have. And, and um, not to mention some of the UFAs that they did have conversations with but ended up not signing through their exclusive window, namely Landis Cog, uh, Jaden Schwartz, Dougie Hamilton. They can certainly circle back to those guys come July 28th, next Wednesday. Uh, and, and I think Schwartz, from my understanding, is they went pretty deep in that process with him. There were frameworks exchanged. Um, so does that mean they go back to that, right? Yeah. Well, and I mean, you raise a good point with Tarasenko. I mean, the, you know, the issues that led to him being, you know, placed on, uh, on that exposed list don't go away. Right. So you're right. I mean, there's nothing to stop, you know, the, the issues still, uh, are present there for St. Louis as it relates to Tarasenko and, and you're right. Seattle still got, they got miles to go before they sleep, my friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, all right. We're going to take one more break. We're going to come back. We're going to take some questions. And then uh, we're going to go off into the day and see how the hockey world evolves after the expansion draft. So don't go away. We'll be right back. As always, we're going to, uh, well, almost always, unless we get jammed up with uh, guests. But we, uh, we are going to take some questions. But I, I, wanted to, um, I wanted to take some time and talk to you about uh, a story that you had early this week. Um, just a, a fabulous piece and such an important piece for the world of hockey, the world of sport, uh, not to get too esoteric about it, but the world in general. But I thought your piece on Luke Prokop, um, Nashville Predators defensive prospect uh, playing in Calgary, who uh, um, took the bold and, and I think courageous step to come out and uh, talk about being gay and sharing that information with the world at large. Um, I thought you handled it so beautifully. And I thought the piece was so, um, it just, I, to me, it just really resonated. Um, you know, going through, you know, what that process is like for uh, someone like Luke Prokop to come out and, and, and talk about it. Uh, to, it what, what's it, what was the process like for you, my friend? It was um, because it, 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 um, it's an important story and, and you handled it very well. Yeah, I mean, listen, as a, a, as a veteran in the business like you are, Scotty, um, once in a while a story comes along that uh, really reinvigorates you. Um, and I had a lot of emotions going through the process of this story uh, at the foremost, just excitement and, and the honor of being able to be the one to tell his story, but also the burden of that, the wanting to get it right. And, and to make sure that I truly expressed his vision and, and his journey and his path and his courage. Um, so there were some, I'm not going to lie, some sleepless nights um, tweaking away at it. And, 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 you know, am I, am I saying this right? Is, you know, is this what he meant and going back and forth. And, um, and so I, I, I am, I'm happy with the way the piece turned out, but the piece turned out well, I think, because, uh, the because of the person telling his own story that that's the that, that's the key in all this is Luke Prokop is an amazing young man who you know I don't know if I could put three words together when I was nineteen and and he is <laughs> he is so eloquent and um is is 
just, um, you know, so confident in, in, in his message. Um, now, within all that, of course, the anxiety and anguish and all the other emotions that he would have felt going through this. But I'm saying, I think it's amazing to be 19 years old and to be able to share um, uh, his message the way that he did. And, and, and not only in our interview over the phone for the piece in The Athletic, but... You know, then I did a, a TV thing with him for TSN in which I thought he was unbelievable. I, I, I'm the one that choked up at the end, the old grizzled veteran, but he uh, he held it together and, and was so smooth. And, um, you know, I think he did a good job with Emily Kaplan for ESPN as well. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I just think that uh, I, I know that some of the comments, so the majority of the reaction was tremendously overwhelmingly positive. There were the odd comments of, you know, why is this a big deal? And I, and I just shake my head because I can't believe that someone would actually think that. I can't wait for the day where that's actually true. Exactly. But yeah. we're not there. Hockey's behind. And just like who people who made those comments didn't read through the article that I put out with Luke. Listen to his journey and how difficult it was and what it was like being in a, in a hockey dressing room when he was not out yet and some of the things that he heard. If you think it's not a big deal, then listen to that. Um, and fortunately, it still is. And I hope that we do get to a point where it's like, oh, by the way, I'm gay. Uh, I'm also a really good second line right winger. We all want to get to that point. We all want to get to that level of inclusivity and normalcy. Um, but it's going to take courageous human beings like Luke Prokop to to get us there and and you know I thought it was great that we went all the way back of course to 2009 and Brendan Burke's courage and Brendan Burke's legacy uh, and, and you know Luke Prokop one of his first um, requests to his agent Jerry Johansson was to be put on a call with Brian Burke to talk about all that right. um, and you know Brendan Burke who uh, of course, died tragically in a car crash in 2010, had an impact on Bain Penninger, had an impact on Brock McGillis, had an impact on countless others. And and as Brian Burke, I thought, put perfectly in, in the story, 10 years from now, um, you know, a young player will come out and say, you know, I remember when Luke Prokop did. Yeah. Um, that's not the number one reason, of course, that Luke Prokop did this, but it's certainly because this is about living his true life and, and, and lifting that huge burden off his shoulders. But he does embrace the idea that he hopes he can, he can help others. Yeah. Um, just before we uh, to move on, did, did you hear from anyone or did you have contact like after the story came out? Yeah, no, I, did, I, did, I yeah. What was there something that surprised you or something that was like, Oh, okay. That, that was wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I want to be careful because some of the uh, things are, are private. But you know, sure. some I, I heard some really heartwarming stories about how that story touched a few people who may be struggling with this, um, right. and uh, also heard, you know, just in general from uh, you know from uh, executives and agents and, and different people around the game who just reached out to say how how they just they just love that story. Again, this is about. <laughs> This all the credit goes to Luke Prokop here. Um, yeah, and um, and so the reaction was was pretty overwhelming that way. My, you know, my phone had stopped buzzing for a couple of days. Good, well, as it should. So, let's take some questions. Then we'll get on with the day, my friend. 
this one from Baka Suban at Preds Fan. Uh, interesting. Of course, Predators had a couple of high-profile uh, players, Matt Duchesne and Ryan Johansson, who were exposed, and uh, the Kraken ended up taking Callie Yarncrock. That was that was my pick when I <clears throat> did my own little draft. I thought Callie Yarncrock would be the pick. Yeah, well, there you go. That was one for thirty. So, <laughs> no, well, anyway. Um, so obviously, when you if you're David Poyle and you expose those players, you have at least some, you know, barring some sort of side deal, which. I believe did not happen, but uh, that you're okay with one of those <clears throat> big contracts leaving eight million dollars each for those guys moving forward. Uh, do, is there is there a place for them? That's the question from Bakasuba. Do, uh, is there a place for one of those guys? And, and of course, what is also connected in Nashville, um, the ability to sign or to re up Philip Forsberg, who is entering his contract year. Um, and I think it's fair that the the, the two are linked, right? You've got two guys making $8 million. What, where's the room for Philip Forsberg? Yeah, not really sure. Um, I, I know that they actually kind of agonize over whether or not to, um, to leave Ryan Johansson unprotected. Um, so I think they probably, I think they're probably happy he wasn't taken. I, I you know, um, you know, I think Matt Duchesne just not found his stride there and five more years at 8 million a year. I mean, uh, I, I just don't know how he's going to fit in moving forward there, but I also don't know in a flat cap environment how it's even possible to move that deal unless you pay through the nose with other assets. And, uh, and listen, Andrew Ladd just got dealt by the Islanders, so anything's possible in life. Um, uh, so we'll see where that goes. You know, Matthias Ekholm, to be honest, I think even ahead of Forsberg is the number one offseason story for the Predators. They got to figure out what they're doing with him. I mean, they protected him in the expansion draft because they're going to try to extend them. But I'm, you know, I'm curious if you get to camp and he's still not extended, I guess he just becomes a trade deadline, you know, uh, asset if, if uh, the Predators aren't in the playoff race. I mean, that's going to be interesting, but they really do want to extend Ekholm to the point where they protected five defensemen in the expansion draft, which was, uh, well, that was a first. Um, and, and it was very Nashville-ish. I kind of love it. Um, and probably the right decision because if they expose uh, Carrier or, or Fabro or you know, um, you know those guys probably get taken by Seattle, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, no, certainly that that was a trend, and that I'm sure that would have been borne out. I didn't, and, and I didn't. This is, allows me to ask you because you and I haven't spoken because um, we talked a lot about to Philadelphia and maybe Seth Jones. Um, I really love, I, you know, I'm, I have uh, all kinds of time for Ryan Ellis, and I just. I think that that's a hard move for Nashville to make, as, as mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, he if it wasn't Roman Yossi, it was Ryan Ellis when they were naming captain um, a couple of years ago or a few years ago in in Nashville. And I, I just think I think Ryan Ellis is is going to be a great fit in Philadelphia. But that you know, it speaks to it speaks to the hard choices that a lot of GMs have, and certainly Ryan Ellis is a significant part of that core in Nashville. And um, I think. I like the fit in Philly, but that's a. It just tells you the hard work ahead of David Boyle. Well, so here's the interesting thing: is that so? You know, I had talked about the possibility of the Predators maybe trading a D earlier last week in insider trading on insider trading, only because of their protection list issues, right? I mean, they had five D they really liked. Now, I didn't actually think they could protect five D, so that was one misstep I had in my analysis. 
But then when when I saw that they traded Ryan Ellis last Saturday, I was like, oh, there you go. Problem solved. Now they can protect 4D. But then they picked up Myers in the deal. <laughs> so, so that's true. So I, I think like, I'm not shocked they moved Ryan Ellis. I, I really felt that was going to be a possibility, unfortunately, for Ryan Ellis. I'm just surprised that they didn't alleviate their protection list issue in that deal. They, they decided to still keep the same problem. But hey, I mean, they lost, you know, they lost Yarn Croc, but I guess they can live with it. Um, okay, yeah, I took, I went down the rabbit hole on that one, but I always like to get a little Ryan Ellis love in the in the in the podcast when we can. But but, but you're um, right. I mean, a great pickup yeah. for Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers because their right side had never. I always had that void ever since Matt Niskanen retired on them last year, right? Um, you know, Seth Jones would have been a, obviously a, a more luxurious upgrade, but. Um, let, let me put this very gently. I suspect that as the Flyers tried on Seth Jones, what they what they found out from Seth Jones' camp is that he wasn't interested in signing an, an extension with the Flyers, is my guess. I don't know that. Yeah. But for the Flyers to essentially give up on going after him, I suspect that's what they found out. Yeah. No, and, that, and that's going to be... I mean, that's part of the issue that confronts Jarmo Kekalainen, right? It's not just, you know, can you, can you move this asset, but can, where does this asset... Where's where's the fit for the asset? So and that's that's Seth Jones' prerogative. So yeah, good point. Uh, all right, let's move on. Matthew Jex, that's a good one here at mjex19. Which new Kraken player will blossom like William Carlson did for Vegas? And I think that's to me that's one of the great things about the the expansion draft process. And, mm-hmm. and, and of course it it was illustrated in full living cover color in Vegas where you know a number of young players but especially William Carlson given an opportunity they may not have had in their previous uh, circumstances um, really emerged is, is somebody right off the hop do you think okay this maybe this is maybe not 40 plus goals but no but someone well, who, certainly who c- certainly not 40 plus goals but a guy that I think now with getting the chance to play his biggest role yet in his career I think will, will show himself to to take on another gear. I think Jared McCann. Um, and, you know, it's already his fourth team. Uh, you know, started in Vancouver with the Florida, then Pittsburgh, and it's like, geez, this guy keeps moving teams. But he's only 25. And I thought last year in particular, really, uh, you know, in, in, in 43 games this past year, 32 points, 14 goals. And again, he's, you know, playing behind some pretty big players there in that Pittsburgh lineup, sometimes with them, mind you. But but for the most part, behind them, I, I, I think he uh, he still has some ceiling, and um, um, I mean, you know, we'll see how Seattle decides to use him. But um, I, I think he's got a he can play center, he can play wing, um, you know, um, a two way player. I, I think if you're trying to find that match, I, I, I would go with McCann. I, I was I've been looking at the list and there are a couple like I'm really intrigued by Colin Blackwell who really sort of came out of nowhere to put up impressive totals uh, mm-hmm. with the Rangers especially down the stretch right he had 12 goals 10 assists 22 points now he's older he's 28 but maybe that maturity allows him to you know play in that top six somewhere and, and really come up with you know sort of surprising point totals uh, but the guy I will go with <clears throat> is the guy you mentioned uh um, earlier, Pierre, and that's Mason Appleton. Again, 25 years old. He had 12 goals, 13 assists. Um, and I, 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 to me, he's a guy that uh, I think he fits in with the what is clearly going to be the identity in Seattle. But uh, um, look, to me, he'll probably get a chance to, to have that kind of 
um, those kinds of opportunities that maybe didn't quite get to uh, um, to him in Winnipeg were were you know there's all kinds of talent ahead of him. So I'm I'm looking at Mason Appleton. That's what I'm looking forward to. Anything else? Anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, wrap this baby up? No, sir. Let's get to the day. Going to be a busy day. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, what else we got on here? We got the Athletic Show USA. Is that even what we're calling it now with Craig Cousins and Sean Gentile? I wonder if they get better sponsors than we do. Anyway, they welcome former NHLer and current rollerblader Stephen Johns. I, I just love what Stephen Johns is doing uh, at the Athletic uh, on their podcast uh you should check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and rate and subscribe to the athletic hockey show on apple if you aren't already a subscriber go to the athletic.com slash hockey show and receive a subscription for $3.99 a month for six months buddy we're going to do this again next week on thursday our final podcast (laughs) of the season that Never seemed to end or start and just melded into the other season in the bubble. <laughs> but whatever it is, whatever year we are, whatever month we are, next Thursday is the final podcast. We we, we need that we need the we need the soundtrack from Europe, the final countdown next week. <laughs> okay, we see, see. Maybe Jeff can get that for us. And and just to, to wind it uh, next Thursday we'll go for what, three hours, four hours, just to wrap it up? Uh, you could. Uh, I mean, it <laughs> might be pretty silent on the other line, but you could go as long as you want, buddy. It's kind of like when, a lot of years when we've had dinner and you just kept going on and on, and I'm like on my phone talking to people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. Listen, have a great week. Still lots of work to do, but uh, good work by you this morning. So Great work by you. Right on, right on. <laughs>